My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? Stop in hypnosis. Welcome to Channel Down Radio. Welcome to the place where you can take your systemite boots off at the door and hang up your systemite suit. Relax and be you. The dogs were making these noises, kind of like, like they sounded kind of like Yoda, to be honest. It was like weird, strange noises. Like, what are they doing? But anyway, I gotta pee, so I get out and I'm gonna pee, and I look down the street, and this is a dark street. There's no street lights. It's Hawaii. It's not not uh, developed. So I go down, and I look, and I see this configuration of lights on the ground, and I'm like, whoa. That's not right. Like, I, that's not a car. I don't know what the fuck that is, but I don't like that. You know, it just freaked me out. So I went back, I I don't even think I did my pee. I went back in the back of the truck and I hid under the sleeping bag. That's how scared I was. For some reason, fear just went right through my body. And so I had the little bit of the sleeping bag, just a little bit looking up at the sky waiting and I could see a little bit of flashing lights and then I saw the sky turn gold color and then just boom like that so when it comes to UFO phenomena extraterrestrial phenomena what are people seeing and if you just lay out on a, on a, on a starry night and you can witness Quite a few moving objects. If you if you really just you know spend some time, see this light far away, distant light go across the sky, then stop, and and then it will go again. And you know I don't I don't really know. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host Mark Palmer, and on today's show we spoke with Loomis from the Janet Down radio podcast radio show the two are interchangeable or at least they were when Loomis got in the game because he is seasoned for sure since 2013 he's been dropping cool facts and hard knowledge on his program Janet Down Radio and we talked about that today we started off with a little bit about 
Loomis and how he got started into this whole world that we're all a part of here on the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. That naturally led to him telling us about his UFO experiences. Very cool stuff. And from there, we're off to the races. We talked about old world cultures. We talked about wasteoid culture. We talked about the excitotoxins that you need to know about and remove from your life. We also talked about some of the foolishness and uh, shamefulness, shallowness (laughs) that goes along with living in the systems version of mainstream culture. So it was definitely a well-rounded conversation. We even talked about movies. We both connect on Bruce Lee and weed. We talked about the legal weed agenda and why the two of us are slightly, maybe mildly, maybe very suspicious. So go organic, don't panic. This episode was definitely not manic, even though we're here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Don't fear. It appears that we are going to be getting out of here without taking the spear in the arm, as Loomis said today on the show. All right, enough with the rhymes. Loomis was a rapper, so he's getting me a little hip-hop artist. He's getting me a little inspired here. So anyways, this was a fun conversation, and I definitely hope you check out Loomis at Chant It Down Radio. Like I said, lots of content over there, and we got into that today, folks. So stick around, stay tuned, and shout out big love to all of the folks supporting us on Patreon. If you're not there yet, sign up today, and you'll get your own special My Family Thinks I'm Crazy spirit animal name. That's right. Join in into the Patreon, and there are other ways to support the show. We have a subscribe star shout out to our one and only subscribe star subscriber we have a rockfin tons of bonus content on rockfin this conversation went out on rockfin i'm getting better folks sometimes i start the rockfin and we're already five minutes in the conversation but we're on rockfin and we have art we have merch it's all there my family thinks i'm crazy.com go and show us some love and last but not least the telegram Seems to be the coolest place, my favorite place that I've been interacting with all of you lunatics that love the show. So if you want to get on the show in a small way, send me a voice message through the Telegram. Join into the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy chat and leave a voice message. Leave us all a voice message uh, telling us why your family thinks you're crazy. What I really would like is for you guys all to... Tell me your name, where you're from, and in one to two sentences, try to keep it under 30 seconds, uh, in one to two sentences, tell us why your family thinks you're crazy as well. You can also leave a message and tell the listeners and the world why you don't want to get the jab. And feel free to use whatever words you want, because even though this podcast goes on YouTube, we don't give a fuck about censorship, so... Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode in particular with my friend Loomis from Chanted Down Radio. Thank you for sticking around this long and stay with us, folks. Great conversation. But first, I just want to thank our sponsors. That's right. The show has grown a lot. We have some sponsors. 
Sponsors are not advertisers. They do not invade the show halfway through. Some shows do this that I like. You know, I'm not going to talk shit. I mean, I work for a podcast that does dynamic ads. It's just not the thing that I want to do on my particular show. But we have sponsors, okay? And they help us keep this show going. If you want to hear less sponsors, I don't know, maybe sign up on the Patreon. I don't know. Anyways, our amazing, esoteric, and etheric sponsors. First up, Audrey Lobdell. For all your Reiki tuning fork needs, Audrey Lobdell. I'm sure she could do it remotely, but she is in the state of New York. So if you're out there, and we do have a lot of listeners in the state of New York, shout out to you guys. Get in touch with Audrey Lobdell. Holistic Healing Resources at Akasha Goods. That's right. You can get some candles, some essential oils, get it popping, get the vibe right, maybe get a gift. It's not too late. Valentine's Day is on the way, so who knows? And then last but not least, Forest Bathing with Fru. That's right. Forest Bathing is the, I don't know, number one way to enlighten yourself in a forest that's what it sounds like to me (laughs) so either way fru is uh gonna teach you how to do that or maybe she'll take you into the forest and bathe you in the in the and bask in the energy of the forest and that does it for our sponsors folks thank you for listening to me babble on about that and on to our conversation with loomis chant down babylon right on thank you for being here enjoy here we are ladies and gentlemen thank you for tuning in to the my family thinks some crazy podcast and we have loomis chant it down the host behind chant it down radio a podcast slash radio show that's been going on for almost a decade now so there's a lot in there and before we got started here loomis was telling me about his system tentacle mini series that he did. And I found that fascinating. But before we get into that, I got to ask you, this is sort of a question I ask every guest. I'm sure other podcasts ask it, but how did you get started into this perspective? You know, what was the sort of thing that stands out that kind of woke you up, so to speak? Do you have one of those moments in your life? Oh yeah, I do. It's kind of a long story, but I'll tell it it in, um, detail enough that it's good and by the way thank you for having me on i appreciate it you have a great podcast thank you brother much respect so i i've been trying to get this message out since my awakening in 1999 but maybe to give you the full story i should start before that actually what i did is i quit so I, I'm, I'm an ex-hip-hop artist. I've been doing hip-hop for 30 years, but on, I'm, you know, not anymore really. But so I was doing music, and my job was in the way, and I didn't like where people were going in life, friends even. It, everybody was stagnant. I wasn't feeling their energy. I was just getting to a point in life where I wanted to just say, fuck it all. Can I say cuss words on here? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. All right. So I said, fuck it all because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I knew the system was wrong, but I didn't know what was wrong with it. So I, I, I couldn't do it. So I quit it all. I, I traveled, I 
got credit cards. It's just not a good idea, but I did it anyway. And I lived off them and I wandered around and I lived in synchronicity. I didn't care about bills. I found the life path by not working and the timelessness that that creates when you're not on a time crunch life you it opens you up to scenarios so what happened is i live here in hawaii but my friend moved to the big island with his girlfriend and my and well i my my roommate situation fell apart and i was like well okay i went on my wandering spree for a while and then he's like hey i got a, a place for you but when i got over there i was pretty broke so I ended up sleeping on the couch. So there was a, there was another bedroom. I could have worked a job and lived in that bedroom. I mean, when I think about it back then, it was only $400 a month. Now it's like, that's you know nothing. But at the time that was a lot. So I chose now, I don't really want to do that. You know, and I, and a lot of people would label me as a bum or something, but I wasn't a bum. I just didn't want to do what people were doing. And so this bedroom had a revolving door. Somebody would move in for like a month and then that person had something going on. There's several roommates. And finally this 45 year old man moves in for two months because he's building his house with, for his family and he needs a place to stay while he's doing so. And so this guy, I call him Sherman was, you know, just seemed like a normal guy. But every night he would tell me little tidbits of things. And like, I was like, huh? He's kind of smart. Or what, what is this guy all about? Finally, one night he sat down and he just broke down to me that he was a very high up person in the USDA and that this system, he, he showed, told me about the presidents being chosen. He, he told me about, you know, the whole global structure, the geopolitical structure, he told me about the chemicals in the food and the water in the air and, you know, anything you can think of in this quote unquote conspiracy truth or research perspective. And it blew my mind because I knew in my heart it was true. And he even talked about aliens and we talked, I mean, we, he went deep every night we would talk and I, it was like I was sitting next to a researcher, like maybe like David Icke or somebody who's been, you know, doing this or Jordan Maxwell or somebody like that. So I was getting tons of, info downloaded and that kind of blew my mind as it does but he told me one thing and what that was is he said in two years this is in 1999 that the the george w bush is going to be pushed into office and when he gets in you watch and i just remember that and then you know he moved out i wish i would have kept in touch with this guy i never did i you know, kick myself for not, but he, basically what he was doing now that I think back on it, he was, he was building a house and hiding out from whatever organization that he quit. I mean, I know it was the USDA, but he was hiding out, hiding his family and trying to get away from this coming new world order. So I, oh, he left me with two books to read. One was a committee of 300 and behold a pale horse. So I, you know, I read those, but anyway, two years of kind of researching kind of like, Oh yeah, that's going on. And then nine 11 hits. And when nine 11 hit, I was like, Oh, this is what that guy Sherman was talking to me about. So, um, I, I have a long story with that. I'll make it short, but I went to, no need to, I, no need to well, make it short. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. Okay. I want to know. Cause right. I was okay. only, I was only in third grade when that happened. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, okay. So this is my first, this happens to be my first day of work at a restaurant. So I go on my way to work and I put in a, this is, this is 2001. This is CD Walkman. So I had a CD in there of an, of, I don't know if you know the hip hop group, the Pooh at all. The Pooh? The Pooh. The C-O-U-P. I think I've heard of them. I thought you were talking oh. about Grand Poobah for a second, but no, oh, I'm, no, I'm no. into underground rap, Jedi Mind yeah. Tricks, Army of the Pharaoh. Yeah. The coup is maybe a little too underground. I, I, mean, I haven't gotten to them yet. <laughs> um, they're a West Coast um, okay. kind of Marxist group. I mean, I'm not really into their message, but I liked them in the early 90s when they were just a little bit more not so Marxist. But anyway, my friend's a DJ. I've been in, in hip-hop for years, and he's you know, here. here's a new pressed... It's, it's a, it's a re- CD release before the CD release of the Coos album. It's called Party Music. So I pop it in my CD player, walk into work. I'd heard a few tracks, and then I heard this song that's called Have You Thought About It Too? It was track number 11. And so this, I don't know what happened, but the, I had the visions of bombs going off in my head. And as I was walking to work, I was like, well, that's kind of weird, but what? So anyway, I get into work, I meet all this new staff, and I get trained by, I'm, I'm just a busser at a restaurant, I get trained by this guy who says, not a word to me, what's going on? Like, he, this guy was just an idiot. But So I, I went to the lunch break room, and I looked up at the TV, and the TV's playing, the trade center's collapsing, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, I was like, unbelie- it was unbelievable. And so I was like, well, why didn't you tell me, you know, what's going on? And he's like, well, I thought you already knew. But so I get home and I watch probably like four hours of news. I mean, this is a pretty big day. Even if you were in the third guy, you probably remember like, right. like it was huge. So I, I get done watching, I get done watching the, all the, all I can, my brain just like, oh, God. And I was like, this is the thing the guy was telling me about, but you know, where do I go from here? So I turn on the radio, AM radio, and just switching around. And I heard this like calm voice talking and it turns out to be the Jeff Rents show, which I didn't know of at the time at all. And there's this guy talking on there and he's making sense. He's talking about the same things that the guy Sherman was telling me about, you know, like the same conspiracy research info. And I'm like, Oh wow, this guy's, this guy's making sense. So I guess I got confused. I thought it was David Icke, but it was actually Jim Mars. But I didn't know. So I, I accidentally ordered David Icke's book at the time, which is called Children of the Matrix. And so then that's what spurred me into a deeper research when I started reading that book. And, and then it went on from there. And then you got me telling, <laughs> you got me telling, every, oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Good, good one to have in your collection. You know, he's great for a beginner. And, and so I, so I had so much in me and over the years I have kids. So I was raising kids, you know, a few years later and just being a busy, regular person. And, but I had all this information I was collecting more and more and more. Finally, well, I met another, so I met another insider and this is just by synchronicity, my ex-wife was this is 2008 so we're fast forwarding you know this years of raising kids and doing the daily grind and she goes to me goes you know this guy he knows about chemtrails you're always talking about chemtrails you know as if it's this thing that i'm just interested in like this hobby that's kind of how she treated it right but i'm like well yeah i 
okay. And I was prepared to tell this guy everything. Like I was thinking, oh, this guy probably doesn't know. It's my ego, you know, getting in the way. Like, oh, I can tell this guy all about chemtrails. So I get to his house and he's this kind of older man. I, I call him Robert just to, you know, keep his identity from being known, but he's really quiet and he starts, you can't hear him very, but he starts talking about all the programs with chemtrails and like, he blew my mind because his father was a CIA scientist. And I didn't know the CIA even had scientists. So I meet this guy and then I'm like, wow. So this information must be meant to come to me because I didn't go looking for this, you know, I had no interest in looking for that. And then he, you know, he gave me a ton of information. I mean, it's too much to even go over in one show, but the whole chemtrail thing is, you know, it's huge. And so he broke that down to me. And so that compiled my knowledge. So then I'm like this guy with all this stuff to talk about, but where do I put it? So what happened is, Oh, he gave me a link to check out this radio show and you may know him as Freeman, Freeman fly. Right. So I start listening to him and then I'm like, Oh, this is, this guy's really furnishing my, gaps in my perspective i'm like that's cool this guy's awesome i wrote, wrote him became you know like internet friends with them and then i started listening on it was called oracle broadcasting then i started listening to mark passio which was on there and then i started listening to bob tuscan who's a friend of mine he had a show and from there on i just you know i was like wow these are these were early podcasts i didn't know they were even called podcasts i thought they were just radio shows by 2013, I had gone through a life-changing event, went through a divorce, and I'm like, you know what? I want to get back into my music. So I did that for a little bit, and like, you know, and that wasn't really what I wanted. So I said, I'm going to start a radio show. So in 2013, I started Chant It Down Radio, and that was my place to put all this information. Dude, I love that. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, I love how synchronicity is highlighted and the way you highlight it because I kind of, you know, obviously in the shorter span of time, I can relate a lot to that, you know, from dropping out of college to saying, I'm just going to figure out my own way to, you know, doing one job that leads to another job that leads to me being a bakery delivery guy. And then I'm like, what are podcasts? I fall in love with this like medium. Cause I have, you know, all this time in my work schedule to listen to, to that kind of stuff. And I spent like, you know, three or four years in a very similar way, collecting all this information. And, and, you know, for me, it was more a Greg Carlwood and Sam Tripoli kind of furnishing those gaps, you know? And, and yeah, yeah man, I, I totally relate. Now I'm wondering, you know, I heard mention that you had a, a UFO encounter and then there was also a C SETI experience that I didn't want to forget to also ask you about. Did those happen before or after the podcast got started? two different events? My UFO encounter was in 2000. Okay. No, nine, yeah. Right after I met that at first insider. Wow. That is a story in itself. And then my other, I went to East City Ranch in 2017. Okay. And East City Ranch is, I mean, if you want to see real UFOs, I mean, go there and you won't be disappointed. I, I don't know how much you know about East City Ranch, but it is a UFO hotspot and it's a, it's like a vortex. And I mean, you see them on the mountain, it's in Washington state. 
and you see them in the, I mean, you see them in the air. I saw a metallic ship fly over and, you know, it, that was pretty amazing. But I think my first UFO encounter was much more, much more, um, impactful because I wasn't looking for it. And here I'm at city ranch, like they have what's called a sky watch and you watch the sky all night. And it's, you know, pretty exciting of course. But my first UFO encounter was, was just like, you know, what a crazy moment in my life that, well, I, I mean, I don't know if any, if I have any missing time, I don't think so, but uh, I can't say that, but it was pretty, it was pretty impactful. Yeah. I mean, I can tell that story if you want, it's just another, another pathway in another direction, but yeah, if you well, like. I, I definitely am interested in going in that direction. I will say what you mentioned just there, and I'm, I'm slightly familiar with the C SETI ranch, mostly through a Graham from the Grimerica show. He's been on okay. the show to talk about it. And, and I've heard his podcast. They mention it a bunch, but what's really fascinating in particular is the concept of the vortex, particularly how landscape metaphysics plays into the equation. And, I even, I just, you know, had a, a friend in the chats here say, you summon them yourselves. And it, to me, you know, what I've kind of like put together, and I wonder if you agree with this, is like, we're like a, a component that gets placed in a certain area, like a battery, right? And as soon as you are in that area, it kind of turns on the, you're just using this as an analogy, the machine, and then start the the high strangeness starts, right? Is that true to your experience? Like certain areas hold the key or is it more complicated than that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not totally sure on that, actually. With Iseti Ranch, I think it is maybe that because there are, are people that go out there and they're expecting to see them and they don't see anything. And it's like the energy doesn't like them. Mm. <laughs> I, but I don't know, like, so the, the, the owner of the ranch, his name's James Gilead. I don't know him, really. I met him, but he had ancient, ancient aliens come out, the TV show, you know? And they cut everything he said out of their interview. And that's pretty rude. And so what that did show me, I know I'm not quite answering your question exactly, but all right. what that did show me is it showed me that, that there's a controlled narrative I mean, I always knew that if it's on TV, it's going to be a controlled narrative. But it showed me that there that there are some people that don't want to show you certain things. And I think there's great people on, actually, there is great people on Ancient Aliens. You have to pick and choose, though. And I think there's a few in there that are not so good. But so they didn't see anything either. And it's almost like they were asking for, <laughs> they were they were the wrong energy asking for them to come. That's what I kind of gather. Yeah. No, I, I think you definitely kind of answered the question in a way because, yeah, there is a, I mean, we, we are the factor involved in certain people who carry that kind of skeptical stick with them to beat through every, you know, curiosity. They end up smashing some of the, the gems that those of us who take things a little more delicately, we'll say, might be able to appreciate because we kind of approach it with that care. Right. And I, I think that's talked about a lot, you know, the aspect of consciousness. So maybe to go back to your UFO story, how did consciousness play into it for you? I mean, were you just walking down the street and boom, there's a UFO? I'm sure that wasn't it. I'm sure it's more personal, more more relatable than that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get um, into so, it. okay, let's go. So 
putting this in perspective with all the timeline I told you. So I met that insider in 1999. You know, I worked a few jobs and I was in, you know, I wanted to wander again and do what I was doing. I was having a lot of fun with that. So I, I, I changed islands again. I went to Kauai. Kauai is our, our garden island. It's pretty unpopulated. It's about 60,000 there. And I went there without any plan at all. And so I found finally this room open. So I thought, okay, I get this cool place for $200 a month. So I was like, so stoked on it. And I get in there, I'm putting up my stuff. I was like, there is other stuff in here. There's even another bed in there. Okay, whatever. And then this kid comes in. See, I'm, I'm 22, I think. And he's 18. And well, you don't really think about it, but if you're 22, 22 and 18 aren't that far apart, but in maturity they are. And so I'm living with this kid who's totally irresponsible. He's an idiot. And, you know, he brings over friends and while I'm sleeping in this, there's the same room with a divider in the middle. And it was, it had a gap under the door, like this big where like frogs and centipedes would come in and it was moldy and it wasn't cool. So like, I'm out of here, you know? And so I, kind of went back to living on the beach in a tent and uh, there was this surfer guy I was friends with. And he's like, Hey man, you, you, you want to, you, you're welcome to crash out in the back of my truck some nights if you want to get out of the rain. Like, oh, okay. That's cool. So I went and took him up on that offer a couple of times. So I, you know, his truck's parked in his yard. I just slept in the canopy and he had these two dogs in the yard and they stayed out at, at night. And I'm, um, getting up to go pee in the middle of the night and uh, I'm kind of, you know, just waking up and, and I heard the dogs, the dogs bark at everything. So the dogs bark at every single thing that goes by. But this time the dogs were making these noises kind of like, like they sounded kind of like Yoda, to be honest. It was like weird, strange noises. Like what are they doing? But anyway, I got to pee. So I get out and I'm going to pee and I look down the street and this is a dark, street there's no street lights it's kawaii's not not uh, developed so i go down and i look and i see this configuration of lights on the ground and i'm like whoa that's not right like I, that's not a car i don't know what the fuck that is but i don't like that you know it just freaked me out so i went back i i don't even think i did my pee <laughs> i went back in the back of the truck and i hid under the sleeping bag that's how scared i was for some reason fear just went right through my body. And so I had the little bit of the sleeping bag, just a little bit looking up at the sky waiting. And I could see a little bit of flashing lights. And then I saw the sky turn gold color and then just boom like that. And so I don't know what happened. I mean, I really didn't get up to look until the morning and I really didn't get any sleep either. And I told my friend, he probably thought I was crazy, but that's okay. We're on the family thinks I'm crazy podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he, he's like, yeah, it, they just didn't quite believe me. You know, they thought, oh, it's probably just a truck. I was like, no, those lights were not any sort of vehicle I've ever seen. But the one thing that happened to me right after that is I got really sick. I got like a horrible fever and a horrible cough. And I say my cough actually lasted for about four months and I don't know what it was, but whatever that experience did to me, it, it messed me up. So I guess you could call that a close encounter of the second kind. I didn't meet anything and I don't know what it was, if it was off world or 
we have a lot of military here in Hawaii. So I maybe it is, maybe it's, maybe it was like a military test vehicle. I mean, I'm willing to believe that, but it was definitely impactful experience that I'll never forget added in with all that information that that guy Sherman had already told me my perspective was just expanding, you know? So there, that was another mind blowing situation, but I feel like if I was living and working in the system, I would have never come into that scenario or any of the scenarios that I met with that other insider, because I was, if I was doing the normal eight to five Monday through Friday, there wouldn't have been that synchronicity about that I had that allowed me to get in the situations that I got into. Right. Right. And that's kind of making me think about what I noticed in the system tentacles time control, because I mean, the same thing happened with me over the past few months. I was a delivery guy, like I said, and everything that happened with the scamdemic pandemic, you know, came along and, and I ended up, just being pushed out of the job I had because I, I wouldn't comply. I wouldn't wear a mask and, and all the, all the stuff that the folks on the show have heard me talk about before, but you know, back to you, man, I think the, the technology, whatever it was to me, just my thoughts on your experience, it sounded like there was a technology there that was projecting fear, like almost like to avoid any interaction and whether that means it's military or alien or what, I mean, my mind is open to any possibility. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I read that, I forget what book I read that in, but there was a book that I read that said that they can project fear. So people do not go and like, knock on the door basically. But I, I don't know. I mean, my guess is as good as anyone's. I, but certainly it wasn't right. It, the feeling was just like, you know, maybe I um, scared myself when I was littler, when I watched the movie fire in the sky. Cause I remember being scared of that movie and maybe I just like, you know, conjured up that fear because I knew it wasn't from here. Maybe I, I don't know. You know, it's hard to say. Mm. Yeah, but right. certainly, certainly, I think there was some fear projection there that something came out of that because the dogs weren't barking. The dogs were, the dogs were reacting totally different to that than they were anything. You know, even if a cat or even if uh, someone's down the street, they would they would bark. You know, and so it was weird, very weird. Yeah, I myself have only seen strange things in the sky, but I do, I do say, I do want to point out. Only three weeks ago, I had Nick Hinton on the podcast, and he mentioned, because he, he did the interview from his car, and he's like, oh, a shooting star just went by. And I'm like, oh, neat, you know, whatever, and, you know, move on with my life. 20 minutes later, the conversation's over. I go outside to to just, like, I don't know why I stepped outside, probably to get something from my car, but I look up, and I'm like, oh, wow, it's a clear sky. So my girlfriend and I come out because it had been cloudy that whole week and we're just kind of marveling at how clear the sky looked that night because in winter there's like a a certain aspect to just the the sky around here because i'm very i'm in connecticut so i'm very close to like all the light pollution so it's rare that you know you get that but either way Uh that aside we're kind of just looking up at the sky and i'm like how neat would it be if we saw a shooting star and boom right there within two minutes of me saying that we saw a shooting star Another one came, another one came. Now, of course, there was a meteor shower in the area that night, but I think it's worth 
uh, pointing out that there was that kind of sync between myself and the guests. So I don't know, fingers crossed. Hopefully I, I see a UFO soon. Cause I, like I said, I've only seen lights in the sky. Nothing, nothing that could be registered within the close encounters. But the other point on that is the sickness that you got. I mean, that sounds like it goes beyond the second kind there. I mean, it's kind of interacting with you on like a micro level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that's unexplainable. The only thing I can think of besides that during that time is that's when chemtrail programs really started ramping up. Like I, you know, it's, it's debatable when they actually started doing that. Some people say around 95, I didn't see it till about 98, but they kind of didn't have their mixture right then. And that's when people started spotting like these cobweb like things falling from the sky and people were getting sick from them. I didn't, you know, come in contact with anything like that that I know of, but it certainly, I felt like they were really like trying to figure out, hey, what are we going to do exactly with this pro these programs? And maybe that's what happened. I got sick off that, but maybe the fear inside me induced sickness. My, I have no idea. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, those are all probabilities. That's interesting, yeah. man. It's, it's definitely worth looking into and i'm sure you've gotten into a lot of information like that on your show seems like you're sure. you're doing i don't know how recently this is but it seems more recent than the system tentacles series but you're going beyond earth the beyond earth series right is that pertaining to aliens and whatnot what can listeners expect to find if they check that out Okay, so just to go over that, my show, it, I do a lot of mini-series. Yeah. I'll talk about something, and then maybe even a year later talk about it again, and I just categorize them. And so if someone listens to the show, and it's Beyond Earth Series Part 18, you just got to go to the website and check out the other parts that are in order. But what I do with that one is I, 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 I kind of went started off with – I like to go through every single, well, not every single thing, but a lot of the things in the UFO community. See, I, I'm very critical of the UFO community because I think there's a lot of charlatans in there and there's a lot of disinfo in there. And, you know, I'm up to the debate on whether it's in, in interdimensional rather than physical too. I, I'm full, totally fine with that. I, but I know that there's a mountain of evidence to look at. So one of the things that I've always been fascinated with, and it's not necessarily aliens, but I put it in this category, is the giant megalithic sites we have all around the world. And so I kind of started off with that as a way of easing into the more extreme things, such as my UFO story and all the you know, I, I've covered in that series, talked about Sumerian tablets a lot. I've co come into the indigenous legends and all their cave drawings and petroglyphs and went into, I'm kind of forgetting because it's been a while, but I've been into uh, a lot of, let me see, I'm just looking up right now because it's still trying to front of me. I, I, I looked into, I went around the world and went over all the megalithic sites. I talked about the different uh, types of UFOs people see. I've gone into the moon mystery and whether we even went to the moon, we, we you know, went all over that, talked about crop circles, even talked about all the, all the, entities that supposedly people see i come at it with an open mind but a skeptical one and i try to put it through the strainer and just you know 
simply put it out there for you to decide. And I've had some guests on it, such as Truth Seeker, who's a podcaster, and Paul Wallace, who is a pretty good writer, if you haven't got into his info. And I talked about the mysterious South Pacific. Yeah, and the mysterious deserts and the secret space program and disclosure. Yeah. And so that's kind of a part of, so I feel like there's a lot of the, the truth, quote unquote, truther community that doesn't believe in this aspect of things. And it's like, well, I feel like a lot of researchers out there that are really need to take in the whole picture because there's a lot to not dismiss. And it, and it seems like if you are talking, if someone's talking about conspiracies, they also would like the same treatment of someone going through their information of seeing if that conspiracy is true or not. Well, that, that should also be done with the UFO uh, research community. So I think it's all connected. And I really do think there's a lot to look at there. Sure. There's a lot of bullshit, but I put it through the strainer on my show. So we kind of hope hopefully strain out all the bullshit that we know of. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm trying to take that same skeptical approach here and you know, it definitely Add some credibility when you're someone who's experienced an encounter yourself rather than just someone who's coming to the you know table and just criticizing everything. I think that's definitely something that's, you know, like I said, gives you a little bit more credibility for sure. And I listened to a couple of your beyond the, sorry, don't have it in front of me. Beyond Earth. Earth. Yeah. Beyond Earth. Thank you. Beyond Earth series a little bit. And yeah, I think you're doing a great job, man. I definitely Thank hope you. the listeners check that out because the one in particular I was listening to was on the Galactic Federation. And and this topic, I think, is it's really strange because it kind of dabbles into something that I know you mentioned you've been researching more recently is the occult, right? And I want to pull this book out and see if you're you're familiar with it because i've talked about it a couple times it's a strange book and what makes it strange for me is that it was channeled in the 1800s and it talks about this galactic federation and you know you're nodding your head i want to know have you heard of this before what do you what do you what are your thoughts no no let me see the title again sorry that's all right Um, so this is oh oh the rancho book yeah i've never read that i've heard about it though i think what i was talking about on that show was the first person that they could document was talking about the ashtar command and he was a guy from about the 50s and I, I off the top of the head i can't remember his name but i'm interested what what is what's what have you been reading in there yeah so it's very very similar to what i've seen from that ashtar command literature and like i said what was fascinating was the date because you know you you can't imagine that somebody in the that time at least from my small perspective could write this much about outer space you know like in that time period like it just seems a little bit strange you know but you know especially considering science fiction still really hadn't even had any prominent authors writing in that realm at this time i think it was written in 1860s right wow so it was channeled and obviously with channeling we ought to be very skeptical you got to take it with a, a big grain of salt but the fact that this guy's talking about a um universal council right and i'll i'll get the exact name because it's an interesting kind of word i think they call themselves the antavalon 
O-N-T-A-V-A-L-O-N. And, uh, or no, I'm sorry. So it's the Nebadon, Nebadon Corps of the local universe personalities acting by authority of Gabriel of Salvington. So it's like this weird mix between like biblical angelic type names, but also otherworldly UFO type characters, right? So definitely worth looking into. But I think, you know, yeah. this idea of a galactic council is is interesting because it kind of falls in that realm of, oh, sounds a little too good to be true. Sounds like our space brothers coming to save us. But when you hear stories of, you know, what happened to Billy Meyer and, you know, by all accounts, he seems like a credible witness. It seems like there are a lot of aliens out there that, have a benevolent relationship with certain strange fringe people that they seem to be selecting and, and not just limited to that. I mean, but seems like they're the ones that become the most prominent cases. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's hard to know. And I, I'm, I'm aware that there are, it seems to be dark factions, negative and positive, And it's hard to know what someone's channeling. I mean, I listened to some people I mentioned on that show and I, before I actually put all that info on that show and I was like, okay, well, I'll, you know, listen to someone channeling and talking about, I'm like, okay, I mean, how, where's the proof, but they could be channeling something tricking them that's supposed to be good and it's really negative. You just don't really know. But I liked the the credi- the most credible things that I was talking about in that show that they really either are leading to a, a, a false flag situation maybe or an actual reality is this guy Haim Ashed from Israel. He was the Israeli space space I forget what his title was, but he's, and he was talking, this was like a mainstream news report a year ago saying the Galactic Federation wants us to be part of this bigger family up there, but Earth's not ready. And I was like, wow, why are they showing this on the mainstream news? So that's what really dug me deeper. But then you get people like Paul Hellier. This guy's like, he's dead now, but he was 95, still speaking about this kind of stuff. And he was a Canadian defense minister, I think. I mean, if he's bullshit, then he's a lifetime actor to death. I mean, like he didn't, I mean, he's still talking passionately about all this and the new world order and all this stuff at 95 years old. So I'm like, well, there's gotta be something to this. And there's another guy named William Tompkins who came out in 2015, I guess, I guess his uh, NDA, uh, non-disclosure agreement must have ran out or something. And he's like, well, you know, I'm old now, so I'm going to talk about this. I'm like, what do these old guys have in this if they're bullshitting the public? So I really don't know. And, and I leave it up to the people to decide on that show, but it, it really does. It really does like make you think like, is there a federation of ETs out there that are, you know, want to help but don't want to get involved because they don't want to have the savior uh complex where then humans are going to worship them because they saved humanity from whatever is plaguing us so i guess we'll just have to find out but a lot of it too i went in that episode about um disclosure fake disclosure because it's kind of looming in our background like are they going to do like false flag alien invasion or you know i mean i feel like they're pulling all the cards right now. We got the COVID, the plan, I like to call the plan demonic, plandemic. And so, I mean, we, we got like 
everything coming at us. So, I mean, they might as well have this in the cards too or something, but I don't know. But yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Well, yeah, I, I agree. And I think connecting back to what you were saying earlier about the megalithic sites being, you know, the main point of interest, going back to uh, like a structured, systematic group of, of beings, maybe even another civilization that has this sort of cryptic relationship with us. That to me seems way more feasible than, you know, they came from another planet 50 years ago and they're here to suck our blood. Like, you know, maybe that's part of it, but it doesn't seem like it's the whole picture when you take into account where did these stone structures get built? Like, how did they get built rather than where? We know where they are. They're still there. And, you know, even sites like Globeke Tepe, they are, are finding that the top layers were less skilled built with less skill than the bottom layers that were older right so as this civilization developed they also seem to have devolved right so what are your thoughts on this ancient you know civilization atlantis lemuria that whole mix of topics yeah i think that the world was populated by a different type of human back then i i would correlate that maybe to these elongated skulls that people like Brian Forrester and a few other people dig up that are not cradle boarded skulls. These are skulls that, you know, they go way back on the head and, and they they don't have uh, suture marks on the top, you know, where the skull heals together when you're a baby. And because of finding those, you got to think that the earth must've been populated with something else and maybe just a different type of human that was more advanced than us. And perhaps those are the Anunnaki beings that the Sumerian tablets talk about. I'm skeptical about Zacharias Sitchin's interpretation. I think he embellished some, but I do, I do think the Sumerian tablets hold a lot in there, but those apparently are later in history than Atlantis and Moomeria. I don't know a whole lot about them, but I believe that was a giant civilization. Those are two giant civilizations that were high, highly advanced, and then some kind of cataclysm happened, and then humanity rebuilt. And I guess starting with places like Gobekli Tepe in ancient Sumeria, you have these this rebirth of this civilization. You know, and it's hard to really know. I mean, are it's it's crazy that the first city on Earth that we know of is called Eridu and it's in ancient, it's in uh, modern day Iraq. And it's just a pile of rubble that has never been once excavated. That's it in the 1940s and looters go there all the time. You can check it out. It's kind of like, like, shouldn't we be, shouldn't humanity be interested in, you know, excavating that site to see what's there. You have the temple of uh, Anki there and, it's just this mountain that's like sand and people go there and they'll, they'll actually loot and sell artifacts online and no one's doing anything about it. So it's like, that's the respect that we have. Humanity has now for our, our ancient history. Obviously they don't want us to know something there. Obviously they don't. And, whoever built pyramids and stuff, I don't even, I'm not even, I don't even really go with it. It was aliens. I think it was some kind of an advanced civilization that knew how to 
do things we have no idea about. But I think it comes from the ancient, ancient days that, that is not taught in our schools. We're, we're not taught any of this. We're, you know, there's, there's, there's either religion, you can go in the Bible, or you can go into science. And the thing is, is there's that middle road, and it does make a lot more sense when you get into the Sumerian tablets. Plus, they're really just echoes of the five, first five books of, of, of the Bible. So it, it's like that they're obviously trying to hide whatever it was that built all these things. And I've even thought about, like, what if those beings come back, or maybe they're just hiding on Earth, and poses our creators and say, you know, we're, we're your gods worship us. I mean, that could even happen. There's a lot of ways that all this could happen, but that's, that's what I think is that maybe earth was populated, populated by a different species of human rather than us with these elongated skulls. I'm, I'm with you. And I think the more I've learned about ancient history from these alternative researchers, the more I am suspicious of that alien narrative that they give us through ancient yeah. aliens. And, and I totally agree with you. We need to be suspicious with those kind of mainstream outlets to begin with. But yeah. you know, what I'm kind of sensing here is maybe another direction we can go because I too find a lot of value in searching through ancient cultures and seeing what knowledge and wisdom that they had, we, that we can still apply to our modern life. And, you know, although Really, there's only a few tribes that are, you know, remaining unconnected from mainstream society. Sadly, most indigenous cultures have been, you know, we'll say affected really badly or some not so badly. But either way, you know, the way they used to live is is extremely detrimented to now, you know. And I wonder, you know, how can we reconnect with those indigenous cultures? That's something you've been talking about on Chanted Down, I'm sure. Yeah, it's really sad. The condition of the uncontacted tribes. Well, there's the uncontacted tribes, which are people that aren't talking to modern man, which are very few. You might find them in Papua New Guinea and the Amazon. And there's maybe one island off India. It's called North Sentinel Island, where nobody goes because everybody that goes gets speared. But those pe- there's those people, and I, I think it's best they're just left alone. But what I like to look at on my show, and I always come back to, is what I would call the old world cultures of this planet that lived that way for thousands of years, that lived peaceful, nomadic, and they were hunter-gatherers, such as the Hadzabe people of Tanzania and the aboriginals of Australia and the Kalahari Bushmen or the Sandbush people of uh, South Africa. I mean, these people have the most ancient culture we know of on the planet. They lived that way for thousands of years. And why I focus on them a lot, not so much recently, but more in the past, is because they actually live the right way on the planet. No other civilization ever has. And one of my system tentacles, and we can get into that in a little bit if you want, but uh, is civilization itself and how it doesn't actually work on this planet. But these people knew how to live. Yes, they live simple. Yeah, they live primitive, but they didn't destroy the earth and they didn't, you know, have wars. Most of them, they just live peaceful. And it's kind of a good model really for humanity to look at unfortunately most of them are 
pretty much not living that way anymore. Like the Kalahari Bushmen, they're mostly on settlement camps and they live, do some like they do subsistence farming and and they they grow they don't live that nomadic lifestyle. They're kind of removed and the alcohol's been introduced. And so there's very few. I think the Hazabi people in Tanzania have like maybe there's like 300,000 hunter gatherers left that uh, live that way. But we're really losing that connection of what a real free human is once we leave, once those people are all gone. And, you know, there's a saying, I think it's a Native American saying that we're losing the last people that talk to the last people that were free. And so we are really needing to get stuff from these indigenous cultures that are still available to just understand them and not look at them as primitive people, but of people who had great knowledge of actually how to live on this planet. I have been feeling like I've been being called now. Now you can't even travel with COVID and stuff because I'm not getting the arm spear, the jet, the, the, I'm not going to get injected. So, but I've been being called for years. Feel I feel like by them, I know that sounds maybe weird, but people say this, to go check out the Kalahari Bush and maybe there's some knowledge that they can, uh, you know, instill in me and everybody. They had this shaking knowledge where they would shake energy into somebody and they would actually hit somebody with an imaginary arrow and it would like, they would feel it and they would fall over. It was like a energy transfer. They, they knew some, some pretty amazing stuff. And it, and it's feel like, I feel like if we could, you know, get some of that ancient knowledge. I think it would help humanity today. I don't know how exactly, but I, I always look at them as the model of somebody who's actually outside what I call the system tentacles. Right. Yeah. What you just said brought to mind for me, some, I don't remember the author, but it was an anthropologist who was studying a group uh, of people in Africa and one of the things that he noted that was really fascinating to me at the time was this practice that the medicine man, shaman, however you want to describe that role, that person, when they were taking on the role of healing, they would go like close to the person's energy centers and kind of blow almost like a whisper, like breathing, but like slow breath onto the person's body. And I found that like absolutely fascinating that something that we see with chakras, we see it in the West or I'm sorry, in the East with, you know, the, you know, acupuncture points and whatnot, the meridians of the body. And even in this culture that didn't have all of those, maybe we'll say more developed versions of that same modality, you see the same sort of energy work being done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a, it's a knowledge that you know, we've totally lost at least our modern civilization. We've lost a lot of things through colonization and, and domestication. Yeah. I, right. but the, the what you're talking tentacles. about, the system tentacles. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I view the system. See, for a long time, I viewed the system as, well, I didn't know. I always just said the system always. And I'm like, what am I talking about actually? So that's what I did is in my early show days in 2015, I mean, 2013, I started with episode 15 of the system tentacles. I'm like, so what is the system? So let's, let's define this. So I wrote down all the things I could think of, and then I did a show on each one. And I kind of made it a, an analogy, like, like a big octopus or a Leviathan with all these tentacles 
Right. And they're all connected to the center and that's the system. And when you pluck them off one by one, you can kind of see who you are without the system. Of course, it's not an easy thing to do because all we know is in the system, but you can slowly unravel. So I'll go through them here since I, I popped it on the screen. But um, the first one was number one, media mind manipulation. And the media, of course, is huge because it tells us how to think, how to act, how to how to be a human on this planet basically in the social settings and it, it, I mean, well, you can go deep with it into uh, Edward Bernays and propaganda. You can go deep into the Tavistock and the, and the Frankfurt school and all, all that stuff that was put into, you know, creating a controlled society with that box in our living room. So, you know, I was saying, no, if you can take the media out of your life and, and that even includes Hollywood movies, although I enjoy a good movie, don't get me wrong. I like good entertainment. And I can sit there and not get brainwashed by it, but I can tell how weaponized it is. But anyway, if you take that out, then you got one less thing. And then I went into number two was food and nourishment. And that's a really important part of it that some people I know that are even into this info haven't really dialed this, their nutrition into their life. I haven't really dialed in their eating habits are still out of whack. And, and I really kind of went into, you know, breaking down GMO foods and just all the things wrong things you can put in your body. I mean, you know, a lot of it's common sense and you can probably find someone shopping at Whole Foods that knows some of this stuff, but, you know, empowering foods, nutrient dense foods. And then I did a little side one to that, which is number three is alcohol genocide and waste away culture. And what that's all about is basically like, I come from, I come from semi ghetto uh, upbringing, you know, and everybody around me, gets drunk too much, not anymore, but used to, and and gets wasted too much. And I see the effects of hard drugs and alcohol on society makes this what I call wasteoid culture. So I went into, you know, if you take that out of your life, that's another thing. And then um, another one I did is still related to food is excitotoxins, which is kind of a small one that people miss a lot, but I wanted to to highlight that one for sure. But on the point of, of wasteoid culture, I completely resonate with that. And it, it stood out to me like a sore thumb because, you know, I'm on the East coast and What's really interesting about the East Coast is it's like pockets of of culture, you know, and it's very, you know, you can be in one town and then the next town, it's completely reversed, right? So I've definitely had uh, my fair share of experiences with wasteoid culture. and, And I think, you know, without the cliche, unfortunately, that's like one of the only places to go, Whole Foods. I I was an employee at Whole Foods for a while. And you know what, like before the whole Amazon buyout too. So I kind of oh, cool. got a taste of when they were still kind of what they set out to be. And that really changed my life in a big way. So I'm glad that was included in this because it's so fundamental and it's a big reason why my family thinks I'm crazy because they're always <laughs> like they're always like you're spending too much money on food I'm like well if I didn't take this much care to eat quality food then I would lose the quality that I'm maintaining up here with my peace of mind and you know everything else that comes with eating right but excitotoxins that was new to me so please let's let's hear what you have to say about that Yeah, sure. So excitotoxins are one that I think a lot of people would easily miss only because, well, I don't know a lot of people that talk about them, but there's a, there's an author, his name is Russell Blaylock and he has a book called excitotoxins. So that's a good place to start. But one of the, one of the biggest cytotoxins in our life 
is is aspartame and aspartame is derived from like it's derived from let's see what is it again it's like it's basically like a chemical pukes it's it like shits itself and then they mix it with something sweet but what it does is it tricks your mind and it makes you think it's sweet but it's and what it does is it excites brain cells and kills them same thing that msg does and what's really uh, a trick in the health food industry is um is the word natural flavors you'll see that a lot in things and there's a lot that can be anything that's less than 99 percent msg i believe so we that means it's still an excitotoxin, but it's not a quite as bad as MSG. But there's all these little names that go under natural flavors. You get like on a bag of chips, spices or autolyzed yeast extract. And I went over all, all those names. And also I put fluoride in there too, because that's really important. And fluoride is an excitotoxin. Excuse me. Um, it, it excites your brain cells and kills them. And it makes you docile. And you know, they put it in the water, in our toothpaste. And, you know, if you can take that out of your life, then you can think clear. I haven't brushed with fluoride since that insider woke me up in 20, in, in 1999, because he told me that's a big one. Get that out of your life, you know? And um, so I did. And I don't know, I mean, maybe it's helped me, but I'm sure it's not good fluoride. So those were the main things. And I even went in there Big taboo right now. I went in that also. I don't remember why I put it in there. No, never mind. It's another one. Sorry. The next one was the what I call the the wealth industry, which we're dealing with right now. And then I talked about vaccinations and stuff. Yeah. Right. And, and you know doctors. one thing that we should point out again is that all of this was being spoken about way, you know, back in 2013, 14, 15, around then. And yeah. you know, People in the past two years get this idea that, oh, all this vax stuff, anti-vax stuff, that's just Q anonymous. That's just Trump, you know. It's like, no, folks, like people have been anti-vax on all sides. And that goes into the whole left-right paradigm that you talk about in the system tentacles. And yeah. it's totally used against us so that we don't even know our own bodies and our own health. And I love how you pointed out that aspartame is like, you know, they make it by literally like this kind of chemical extraction that's like, you know, it's basically shitting. And that's what aspartame <laughs> makes you do. If you have it in too much, too high doses, you might have diarrhea. But on the point yeah. of fluoride... I looked into this on a series I do with my buddy Dave from the Generation Z podcast where we're taking a look at elements on the periodic table of elements kind of one by one and and just seeing where they, you know, where their tentacles go so to speak, right? And how yeah. they affect us and fluorine was the first one we did and it's the most reactive chemical on the table of elements and obviously it's not the same as fluoride but it's a, you know, where it's derived from. And, you know, to think about they put the most reactive chemical or, or element, uh, you know, on the periodic table of elements in our, you know, in our bodies like that. It's just that should be all you need to know to understand that this system is not, you know, working towards your benefit. But in spite of that, my yeah. family still thinks I'm crazy. But either way, we might get through to them. So how how else can we avoid the system's tentacles? Yeah, well, I mean, it's just to your point, too. Your family will think you're crazy. <laughs> it's, it's like, I mean, so 
when I did go through some of these things in my life, I mean, it changed my diet. People just don't get it. Family just doesn't get it. Like you, you, you can tell them, but it's like, they don't truly get it. So they don't have, a, it doesn't, it doesn't like spark it. It's something in their mind. Like, yeah, you probably shouldn't eat that. That's not very good. I told you about that, but you know, and I've gone through that stage of it. You know, what, what a lot of uh, conspiracy researchers call the bullhorning stage where they're just like telling everybody about it. Yeah, you know, but you get that reaction from your family and they, they just don't understand that, you know, those things are actually hurting and affecting their brains, such as aspartame. Right. But yeah, Let, let's go into it. So the fifth one I did all, is the health industry. And that was about doctors and vaccinations and how the doctors don't actually take any nutrition courses. So the fault is really in the training from the get-go. And that's why we have what's going on right now with this plan demonic. I mean, we are just in, in, it, in it deep because people think, oh, it's just a vaccine. And, you know, we've been getting them our whole lives. And so they don't see anything wrong with it on the surface. Cause they, and, and, of course, I also went in that show about vaccine-damaged children, you know, also. So there was that. And then uh, the next one I did was occupational hazards. And this was loved by many people because it's about your job. Like your actual job is a tentacle of a system, unless you're actually doing something you love, such as podcasting or something. But most of the time, your job is holding you back. And that's why I quit the system years ago. And I just went into the drudgery of the lifestyle of the eight to five Monday through Friday, what I call system. It's a big one. And then I went into a number eight was the, was the money trance and how everybody basically has a religion with money. It's, it's, it is their religion. They are in the trance to be on the treadmill and collect those, those pieces of paper. And that's, that's why they go to their occupation every day. And then number nine was, you know what? I skipped one. And what it was is schools. Yeah. So the school system, the school system, which completely formulates your brain to live in this world, takes away your imagination. And I, I went over, I mean, it's been a long time since I did these shows. I went over how school was invented by a guy named Harry P. School. And it was actually a place where kids went as a, as a, as a punishment. So it was like a discipline. You go to school. But it wasn't meant to be. And, and also went over how university students are not really exactly necessarily smart people like they are and they aren't because they only get taught what the system shows them, but their egos. And I kind of made fun of that in that show. It was fun. And then I went into time control and you mentioned that earlier. And basically that's just living by the clock. We, we live by the clock every day and we, um, don't have those times where we don't think about time hardly. I mean, and, so I went into that because I felt like that is a tentacle of the system that keeps us stuck in this, this reality. I also went into Gregorian time and I believe I talked about how the real new year is in March, not January. And I think I even talked about the occult a bit in that one and talked about what they think of as time versus we think of as time. And then uh, number 10, I think, I know I've sort of gotten out of order, but the foolishness and shallowness and 11 and ego ran amok. Those were two shows, very similar subjects, but one of them basically is just like, 
you know, when you go out and you talk to people and their conversations just don't stimulate you because they're talking about nothing important, foolishness and shallowness. And that is part of our society. And I tune out to those people. Like, honestly, if I'm in a room full of people that are talking about what was on TV last night or just some sports game, I just, it doesn't keep me there because it's not interesting. There's so much bigger things to think about. And at the same time, that other episode was, oh yeah, ego ran amok, which is basically how our ego is a system tentacle in a way that it keeps us, it keeps us thinking that we're our job and we're, you know, you're, you're Bob Smith and you're a, a doctor and that's what you do. And that's who you are. It's like, no, 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 you, your egos, that's your ego, you know? And, and I think I talked about taking psychedelics to distinct to uh, extinguish the ego in that show, I believe. Uh-huh. And then what else did I do? Oh, well, another, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. We, no, that's all right. But I love what, you know, you're giving us a breakdown. I appreciate that, but I, I want to, focus in on that part because to your point i experienced that through multiple uh, different psychedelic experiences between maybe 21 and and 25 and and since then i've really cooled down you know i haven't done really much up until this summer actually after a a past guest who won't be named sent me a nice care package but uh, yeah so i you know i I definitely can agree with that. I think there's something to that. But on the point of synchrodelics, and I know this is something you talked about on a more recent episode, but you yeah. mentioned, you know, synchronicity. You, now you're mentioning psychedelics. Where do the two meet? Because I've had very similar thoughts throughout this podcast just due to those experiences I had this summer. Well, where do they meet? I, I don't know if they they do meet. But geez, I, I guess it's hard to explain, but like, I think that you, again, get in that timelessness. And that's a really important part of, of psychedelics is you lose track of time. And so you can fall into uh, synchronicity easier when you lose track of time. Also, I think that they make you more aware of things you, that you weren't normally aware of when you're on psychedelics. And so um, psychedelics can really promote synchronicity in your life if you don't do them in a party setting or something like that. Right. Right. And it it is, it is kind of, again, to something maybe, I don't know if this will make it into the show, but to the point of what I was saying earlier about removing that stigma, it does feel really unfortunate to me as someone who has gone out of my way to at least read about shamanism. I've never uh, been in that setting uh, officially, but it's really you know disheartening to see these plant medicines being used at EDM festivals in conjunction with man-made stuff and, and people just, you know, conflate the two as if they're all the same and acid is the same as mushrooms and all, oh, isn't that trippy? And, and even, I mean, I'm sure if, if somebody heard some of the things we are talking about today out of context, they might be like, are these guys on drugs? You know? And that's just like, <laughs> that's just accepted. You know, that's part of the foolishness of our, our culture. And I'm glad you're calling it out. Cause I think, you know, I don't want to ever be the guy to tell people what to do with their lives. But if you're showing up to this show, I take it that you're probably already with us on those things. But at the same time, there is a little bit of a, like a, a need for a stiff reminder. So I appreciate that because I, you know, I agree. I don't find 
the average conversation that you'll run into, especially where I live, stimulating at all. But then again, you know, I lived for some time in New Haven, which is home of Yale University, one of the most prominent schools in the country. And you'd be surprised, you know, with these big pedigrees that these people claim to have, how unstimulating some of their conversations can be as well you know so it goes it goes both ways to your other point that like the college people they could be smart but they're smart within the system as soon as you go into this realm they their true colors really show yeah yeah it's true yeah and they're only taught the certain things they need to know to get into the system to be that these these systemite people that you know become these jobs so they're not they're not whole rounded people. And that goes back to the system tentacle about education where, you know, let's really have some real education. We're not having education. Like, you know, I, I saw this video and it's a little off subject, but I saw this video on uh, YouTube about the ghettos of Baltimore and this lady's talking, people just need education. That's what they need. I'm like, yeah, but, what kind of education are we talking about here? School system education? That's not gonna. That's not gonna help these people. These people need like to instead. You know, they need a consciousness change, and the, to to get you're not getting that at school. And in school, you don't learn. They don't tell you how to live in this world. They tell you how to make money in this world. So yeah, let's have some real education. Yeah, no, agreed. And, you know, I have friends who have their children in Waldorf schools, which are like a part of the Rudolf Steiner group yeah. of, of, you know, organizations in the wake of, of all the work that he put out in his lifetime. So I don't think it's completely hopeless. It's just that the system has completely indoctrinated seemingly the right people enough to have such a huge effect. And I've been to Baltimore, not for a very long time, but it's definitely not my favorite city, you know, but either way, I notice you have my favorite movie behind you on the wall. And I got to bring this up because I think this kind of turns off of what we were just talking about where, you know, a lot of movies have these really esoteric qualities to them that the average person doesn't really absorb you know they take it in maybe on a subconscious level but whether they do something with that in a productive way or maybe even a destructive way is really up to them and i think you know bruce lee stands out as one of one of the most impactful movie figures to me i don't know maybe i'm biased as a martial artist but watching his movies i noticed that there are morals to each movie you know like with the big boss, they're dealing with, you know, drugs and how that drugs affect the culture and the inside of drugs. And then with, you know, the one where it's China versus Japan, it's kind of like what you're touching on with nationalism and culture and, and when those two things clash and how that affects people in a small community, you know, and then obviously enter the dragon is like what's going on with the espionage and the CIA. And I think when, you know, it's no coincidence that when that movie came out, you know, his life didn't last very long after that. Cause in that movie, you see so many things that it's like, okay, I could, you know, it's basically James Bond, but you know, people don't see that. They see the Kung Fu kicks and all that, but they yeah. don't realize what's really going on. There is like, no, Bruce Lee's a secret agent and he's invading this like 
rich person island where anything goes. Does that sound familiar, Jeffrey Epstein? I don't know. <laughs> so it's kind of like it just it just feels like you know Bruce was getting at so- something there. But you know his movies again, they're on their own. Most movies, I think, at least in our podcast community, you find people saying, oh, look, there's occult symbolism here, there, and there. And, you know, directors like Stanley Kubrick, you know, he's someone who maybe was doing that for good reasons. But uh, I wonder, do you have any examples of uh, some movies that you think people should watch that could wake them up? I know you did an episode on that a while ago. The Matrix was one of them, of course. And there was a couple others I'd seen. They Live was another good one. Yeah, just just to to talk about Bruce Lee though. Yeah, Bruce Lee was a hero of mine growing up. Even though he was already passed by the time I was born, but he just his philosophy as a individualist, and he was always against collectivism and basically communism, and 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 he he was just all about the individual. And there there's so much to say about Bruce Lee beyond his martial arts, who was a incredible guy. He died at 32, but his philosophies, I've read his books, his book. And, and, you know, it's, he was so full of wisdom. It's almost like he balled up all the energy he could for a man that lived at 32 and lived to his fullest potential. Incredible guy. Definitely. I always, I always highlight him here and there on podcasts. He's a great guy, but to, to the music, I mean, to the movies on that, I did a show a long time ago called movies that chant it down. And, I would have to think a little bit, but there, one of them's Equilibrium is a good one to watch. That one was one that I hadn't future. heard of. Yeah, please tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Let's see. You're not allowed to have any emotions in the in this future, and it, and like kids will rat out their parents for having emotions, and they'll get executed. And it's just a dystopian future. It has the guy who played Batman. What the the in the in the Batman trilogy the uh, the last Batman movies they made. What's his name? I forgot. Uh, but anyway, it's a great movie for just just seeing like how they really want to take it. It's like a 1984, but maybe even worse. And I did mention 1984, but I don't think the movie's all that great to watch, if I remember correctly. The Gods Must Be Crazy is a good movie that another one I, think, I hadn't heard of. Yeah, so that one I talked about the Kalahari Bushman in this show, and that is a great one just to see exactly how these people used to live and mm. how one thing from the civilized world can throw off their entire world. And so what happens is a an airplane guy drinking a Coke bottle throws it out the window and it falls in the Kalahari where they've never seen civilized man or anything like that before. And there's only one of them and it makes their village fight over this Coke bottle because it has so many uses they found for this, this, crazy thing that we would never even think of they would use it for. And so they decide that it's causing too much problems with their family life. So the guy actually has to go and throw it off to the end of the earth. So he takes a Coke bottle and he gets, and he meets civilized people. And what's cool about that movie is the narrator explains it, how this Bushman is thinking. And I, I think it just makes you look at civilization as a whole. It's great. The, 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 the humor is probably outdated and it's probably, it's very South African, but I don't mind it personally, but somebody maybe would think, wow, this is pretty slapstick style comedy, but it's, it's a good movie. It, it, the message behind it is really good. 
You're and just I, making me want to watch it more by yeah, just telling it's me it's slapstick. <laughs> it's, it's a great movie. Yeah, it's okay. good. It's like British humor-ish, but it's South African. And I mean, it's it's a wild tale. I mean, like how anybody even thought of this movie was is pretty amazing. That's definitely worth putting on your list. If you've never seen The Gods Must Be Crazy. I wish I, I could think right now. See, They Live was on there. Oh, they I had one. I had one. Movie. Well, yeah, I agree with you. It's definitely, <laughs> you got to sit through it. But I, I like, you know, a uh, friend the of the show, Isaac Weishaupt, I liked how he described it and the way he broke it down. So I definitely encourage people to go check out. I think he actually did an episode of Tinfoil Hat with, with Sam on that. But uh, but yeah, the, the other movie that I didn't recognize was Koyan Kwatsi. Does that movie oh, ring a bell? Koyan Kwatsi is completely visual. And there's another one called... Baraka. These are completely visual movies, but it has you watching planet Earth. It's like all moving visuals and it's watch civilization and you watch things speed up as it goes. And just this is in the 80s. So you think like, you know, it's a lot more innocent than nowadays. But just to think that back then they were thinking about how crazy our civilization is back in the 80s. And I mean, it's won awards. It's just completely, there's no, there's no um, narration. There's no, no actors. dialogue. Yeah. No actors. It's just looking at planet earth. Good one to, you know, blaze up and watch. Very you know, cool. It just takes you out. And Baraka's better quality music in it. The thing about Koyana Scotsi is it's in the eighties and there's a lot of like keyboard music where Baraka doesn't have that as much, but both of them, are part of my DVD collection because I, I think they're just like, if you want to just take your mind into the um, zoom out type mindset of looking at the world, those movies are great for that. Mm, Both of them. Yeah. Yeah, man. I definitely want to check those out for sure. And on the point of actors, that was Christian Bale, who we were uh, yeah. forgetting. But, you know, speaking of like occultism, that that name, Christian Bale, Bale, Ball, I don't know oh. how familiar you are with all that. But a friend of the show, Michael Wan and uh, Ross Ben have a really cool uh, show that they do called From the 40th Parallel. And they have a whole episode about Baal and how he fits into all of the symbolism that the founding fathers and different secret societies in the U.S. used. But have you lived out on the the Big Islands your whole life, or did you move out there? What where are you from? Uh, I'm from I'm from here. I live on Oahu, the main okay. island. I've lived I lived on the Big Island. I've lived on Hawaii, so I've lived okay. on three islands. I'm from here. I've lived on the West Coast, of the United States, multiple times. Some in California, some in Washington. And I always come back to Hawaii. It's my home. But, you know, there's things that if I would only live out here, I would have never learned and experiences that I would have never had. So I'm very thankful that I did leave Hawaii because it is confining. It's an island. The people here are confined within their island mindset. So it's good to expand your mind and leave here. But then I'm glad I live here. Mm, Right on. Well, I asked because I, I know you did an episode on the legal weed agenda and uh, you know living in a state that just recently made it legal we don't have like rec dispensaries but a lot of bordering states do so i've visited a couple rec dispensaries and i think back in 
it was 2016. I don't remember when Colorado fully went legal, but in 2016, me and my buddies hit a road trip out there just to kind of experience what legal culture was like, you know, and slowly but surely, the more I interacted with it, the more suspicious I got. And especially when Massachusetts got involved and the MIT was like trying to like clone the perfect strains. I'm like, no, this is BS, man. You're not going to, you're not going to get the best strain in some laboratory. You're going to get it, you know, from the earth in the right location where there's no disruptive frequencies and, and, and they're getting as much sunlight at the right times as they need. But beyond that, what, what did you look into about the legal weed agenda? Cause I think a lot of folks who listen to this show might need to know. Yeah. I got suspicious about some of the big companies involved in it, including Coca-Cola, Coors, Coors that makes beer from Coors uh, Brewing Company, I guess, or maybe that's Anheuser-Busch that owns that, but those kind of companies and big farms or anything with big pharma also, I want nothing to do with. So I, when I do go to the legal states, which is the whole West coast, I will go to organic only dispensaries. But what I learned about it is it's just, I think you want to avoid that. And I guess just see how it makes you feel. There's some strains that I've had where I'm like, I swear that was like chemicalized and, not right. And so I guess always go organic. There is the case in I think I personally like to go with the old school strains too. And, and I know there's some great strains they make that they're always coming out with these new hybrids, but it does make you wonder how many times you clone something, how it changes. Yeah. I'm not really sure if I'm totally hundred percent on the legal thing. Oh yeah. And the other thing was that at least the states I went to, they put them in these cylinders. You probably see it. And it looks like pharmaceuticals, like they do in the plastic cylinders. I'm like, I I don't think it should come in there. Why doesn't it come in a bag or a pouch or something? I don't know, because it just makes you think of pharmaceutical drugs and pills and stuff. So I, yeah, I agree. I don't think they, they've done that very well. And I have seen some shops like your, to your point that sell organic stuff and, on that note, it comes in glass, which I thought was cool because that's reusable. You know, you can use yeah. that forever. And and plus, it's got a cool little logo on it. I tend to put stickers on it. But, yeah, it is it is odd to see the big corporate interests get involved. And now they're going to make, like, infused Coors Light and all that crap. And maybe even Coca-Cola is going to do something. But it's just it's just feeding into that wasteoid culture and really uh, – disconnecting people from the essence that is cannabis in the first place. And I think that's what their ultimate goal is by, you know, reducing them down to their finer parts and then chemicalizing them and adding them to these, you know, concoctions. It's so that we don't have that authentic experience with the plant itself. And, you know, one thing that you made me think of when you talked about E-SETI was something a mentor of mine taught me about sage and when you burn sage and how, sage 
you know, to some people is the worst smelling thing and to other people it's, it smells good. And he was like, that's how you could tell if somebody has good intentions, you know, if, if they don't like sage, there's something inside of them maybe that they need to work on or they have some kind of cloud of negativity. And it's interesting that that kind of is, is true for Seti as well. But on the point of cannabis, I had a lot of friends who, you know, they just, this, this didn't happen to them for whatever reason, cannabis never enlightened them or whatever. And I'm not going to pretend like I'm so enlightened, but there was a clear shift in consciousness that occurred when I made this sort of a, a daily practice. And unfortunately, you know, like I said, it didn't have that same people for whatever reason, but you know, one thing that I know you have talked about on your show, and I think is worth bringing up in this context is how to get onto your path in life and how to step, you know, away from that matrix, obviously get away from the system as much as you can. But like, what are some tips for folks who are maybe already kind of there with all our thoughts on the system, but they're still trying to find their purpose, you know, cause podcasting isn't for everybody. I'll say that it's no. definitely not easy. And uh, it, there's a lot of work that goes into it. It's not all glitz and glamor, but, but yeah, I think there, there might be something here that you can share some insights, some wisdom with us. What do you think? Yeah. So how you get on the path, I think, well, like the, I think the reason I made the system tentacle series is so you can see what the system is and not be that. And that allows you to separate from all that stuff. And I just wanted to say that on my website, I have a blog that breaks it down. If someone doesn't want to, listen to all those episodes, but I think you'll get more listening to the system tentacle episodes, but how you get on the path, the path, I think it's different for everybody because everybody has different starting points, but I would say that you really have to stop trusting the system, stop believing in, in it. And once you've done that, then you can cling to what's good in life. Psychedelics are for some people and they're not for everyone. Like I've always kind of thrown that caution to some people, they don't need it or maybe they shouldn't be taking them and that's okay. But psychedelics for me primed me for when I met that insider in 1999. So if I hadn't taken psychedelics before that, I think I would have probably not been as open to the things he would have said because you, it, it unfixes your mind. And I think psychedelics are a way, a really good shortcut way of just cutting all the bullshit out. Definitely. But getting on the path, I, I think you have to realize, you know, like, well, what's important to someone in life? Like, okay. I like, by the way, I really like the, the title of your show that, the, that my family thinks I'm crazy because it's, it's, it's true. It's like this, the, you're, those are the true. people that are going <laughs> to hold you back. That's, they're really going to hold you back. So those people are going to have these expectations of you that want you to do these things in life. If someone looked at my personal life and said, looked at my accomplishments and what I've done, they would probably think I was kind of a loser or like they would wonder like why I've made the decisions that I've made but I'm perfectly happy with it. And the reason why is I found my path because I knew that I didn't want to do those things that they wanted me to do. And so that's how I was able to kind of get on my path. But it's, it's, I think you just have to go with your gut feeling that 
you know, we can't play to people's expectations. And usually though, like if you do something that comes from your passion, such as podcasting, or that's just one thing, you know, whatever it is, people are going to see that and they're going to recognize that you're living your truth. And one thing that I always say to people and this is just what helps me personally is touch amazing every day. Do something that makes you feel amazing every day. Like maybe even if it's just going for a run and going, you know, like up a bunch of stairs and feeling like you accomplished something, or maybe it's, you know, you read something amazing or did something that pushes you farther than yesterday. Like, you know, what make these goals and just inch your way to them. It makes, it makes you touch something amazing every day. And that's, that's what I, that's what I always think puts you on your path is to be able to separate for what people want you to do, separate what they expect of you and just go and do what you you're born to do on this planet. And I, that's, you know, all the people I know in this truth community for lack of better words are people that have done just that. They're people that, are, I feel like very brilliant minds too. And they've said, wow, this isn't right. This way of life's not right, but I'm going to go ahead and research this and do this. And, and I'm going to um, try to help others. And that feels like amazing. So I guess that's, <laughs> I guess that's one way of getting you on your path. I love it. Well, Loomis, this has been so awesome. Chant It Down Radio is the place to find him. And folks, go show him some love like we talked about here. He's got almost a decade of content and a lot of good stuff. Great way to deprogram yourself from this matrix and unplug from the system. Until next time, folks, thank you for tuning in to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast and have a great moment wherever you are in the now. Peace. All right, what an episode with Loomis from Chant It Down Radio. Like I said, that's been going since 2013, so there's plenty of stuff to get into if you're in the need for a new podcast. Maybe you've already burned through all 124 or 5 episodes of the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. Go over and chant it down with our man Loomis. Great conversation went all over the place and a couple of interesting things came up afterwards. One thing, Loomis sent me a video, which I will put out in the telegram, of a UFO that he saw overhead wherever he's at in Hawaii now. So that was an interesting synchronicity a la Nick Hinton where he saw a shooting star during our conversation and then I went out with Tara and we both saw shooting stars, multiple ones. This time, Loomis saw a UFO, so I unfortunately haven't seen one yet. Fingers crossed, maybe we will. And then the other thing that came up was Loomis, I guess, mentioned this briefly in the beginning of our conversation, but the album by the band Coup had a album cover with the Twin Towers exploding behind them that came out before 9-11. So yet another case for predictive programming and revealing the master plan behind all things. So anyways, here we are in the extended intro, and I don't have anybody to join me for today's extended intro, but often I get a lot of messages from people asking for book recommendations, 
And the, what I decided to do to sort of remedy that need was to create a living live library list, living live library list right here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. We're going to be doing it on the Patreon, exclusively on the Patreon. It's called the Library of the Mystagogue. And let me get the definition of mystagogue in case those of you listening might not have heard that word before because I hadn't. I came across it while reading something. Let me grab that book. All right. So this Freemasonic dictionary that I found at a used bookstore defines the mystagogue as in the Eleusinian mysteries, the official who introduced the candidates for initiation showed the interior of the temple and explained the doctrines bore this name. Hence, anyone who deals in mysteries is called mystagogue. So not to pat myself on the back, but I think my library is pretty mysterious. So I think the name fits. And as you listen to the show and you feel like you maybe want to learn more or integrate some of this stuff into your life, consider signing up for the Patreon and you'll get a bunch of really awesome book recommendations. And it's not just a list. I put a list together, but I also explain why I think that book belongs on the list and give you a chance to maybe decide for yourself whether you're going to vibe with one of these books or not. And another cool thing that might happen is you might synchronistically stumble across one of these books at a used bookstore. You might synchronistically have one of these books uh, already in your collection. And if that's the case, don't be shy. Hit me up. I'd love to do a sort of book club episode for that book, whatever it is, where you and I read a couple chapters or read the whole book itself and share our thoughts and commentary on the book. And I think that could be a great way to inform all of you guys because, you know, I'll be the first one to tell you I'm not really an expert in, in that many things. I'm an expert in finding the experts, maybe. That would be a good title for what I do as a job, but I'm really fortunate to have a job where this sort of intuition for information and researchers and authors and whatnot comes in handy. So maybe that's a resource you need in your life. If so, sign up for the Patreon. If you're beyond the $5 tier, you get access to the Library of the Mystagogue. So awesome. Enjoy this first episode of the Library of the Mystagogue here for free on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. There are six episodes in total. I just recorded the sixth one today, the first one of 2022. And uh, yeah, I think that's fitting considering two plus two plus two equals six. It's the sixth episode. Anyways, gematria aside, we definitely don't uh, use gematria for everything around here. That's, that would be a little, that would be a little much, but it is cool when it does line up that way. I actually didn't plan that at all. So here we are. 2022 enjoyed this first episode of the library of the mystagogue recorded last year and uh, yeah if you sign up you'll get all the episodes and many more because i plan on doing at least four of these a year once a week so here we are in the now moving forward thank you for listening to the show and uh, thank you for 
supporting us. And I hope you support Loomis, our friend who joined us today and enjoy the library of the mystagogue. Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy Literary Dive into the Mystical Magical Alchemical Library of Mystic Mark. All right, patrons, welcome to the first edition of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy Library, where I spend eh, five to 15 minutes taking you through five random selections from my library. I figured this would be a good way to get the ball rolling and eventually once we have a couple dozen of these episodes out we'll have a pretty sizable list for you guys to pick from when you're thinking oh hey it's it's about time i buy a new book well you're in luck i buy a book i have that feeling almost every week so the library just keeps growing i think we'll be able to do these episodes into infinity for at least as long as the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast goes, which I plan on doing that until I'm in a convalescence home, but I don't think I'll end up there. I think I'll end up in my own space, in my own place, manifesting a higher reality. And if you haven't listened to the newest episode of Tinfoil Hat, I definitely encourage you to listen to it. Matt Belair gave some keys of wisdom to help unlock the ways to synchronize your reality with your dreams, which is what I've been doing with my girlfriend, Tara, working on manifesting our new apartment. So send your good thoughts and prayers and manifestations our way, and we will send them back your way. But now to the topic at hand. You might have noticed the book of the month is traditional Brazilian black magic, the secrets of the Kimbanda magicians. Go and listen to the full breakdown episode. I don't know if I'll be able to do that every month just because of the copyright issues, but I figured, hey, I recorded it already and I want to put it out there. Other, No use in deleting it. It's a little rough, but I hope this one is much better. And then moving forward, I'll figure out a way to do a long form book review that doesn't run up against any copyright restrictions. So again, that book was Traditional Brazilian Black Magic, The Secrets of the Kimbanda Magicians by Diego de Ochasi. I think that's the best way to pronounce it, or maybe Ochasi. Either way, he is a Portuguese speaker from Brazil who studied the Afro-Brazilian Black Magic down there in Brazil. Very cool stuff. So the next book on my list is uh, a lot less dark. It's a book called the Life of Milarepa. This is the Tibetan myth of Milarepa. It's one of the most beloved stories of the Tibetan people and is one of the greatest sources for the contemplative life in all of world literature. This biography, a true folk tale from a culture now in crisis, can be read on several levels a personal and moving introduction to Tibetan Buddhism it is also a profoundly detailed guidebook in the search for consciousness. It presents the quest for spiritual perfection, tracing the path of a great sinner who became a great saint, great saint, a great saint. 
but it is also a powerful and graphic folktale full of magic, disaster, feuds, deceptions, and humor. This definitive translation originally published in 1977. Interesting book. This is one of those books that you just kind of read and let it all sink in. And then as you're going about your daily life, you'll start to make connections. The realizations will pierce through the veil, so to speak. So on to the next book. The next book from the library is titled Toltec Dreaming, Don Juan's Teachings on the Energy Body by Ken Eaglefeather. This is one of the many books that I have in association with the Carlos Castaneda series, but more importantly, it has a strong connection to the Toltec Way, which is a very, very ancient, ancient body of spiritual wisdom from the South American and Mesoamerican cultures, going back maybe even as far as the Olmecs, possibly. Who knows? This book basically helps you understand the differences between the waking world and the subtle physics of the dream world in order to create a conscious dreaming body, often referred to as an auto-out-of-body experience that can allow anyone to use dreaming as a vehicle to higher consciousness. Once the dreaming energies are fully awakened, unbounded conscious perception can come alive whether one is in the world of dreams or in daily life. And I certainly felt this when I first started smoking pot, this sort of blending of the dream world and the real world. All right. Now this next book, and I'm going to try to do this at least one per group of, of recommendations. This book out of the, the other five has had the most impact on me in comparison to the other four so let's see out of let me rephrase that out of all the five books that i am presenting today this one has probably had the largest impact on my life mostly because i've owned it for a very long time it was one of the first books i got back in high school when i started getting into this stuff and one part that particularly stood out to me and it's synchronistically on page 108 which if you know anything about a recent guest marty Leeds' work gematria you know that he says 108 is a very sacred number so let's go to page 108 as you walk in the woods or in other wild places keep on the lookout for objects to include in a medicine bundle objects that attract you for no attract you for no clear conscious reason may from a shamanic point of view, be power objects whose spiritual aspects can be revealed to you in the lower world through the journey. You may, in fact, have been collecting power objects for many years without knowing it. What about that rabbit's foot in your closet? <laughs> and that unusual pebble you found on the seacoast, the feather you picked up in a mountain meadow. These are all possible power objects. Objects with powerful associations and memories. A shaman may group such objects together in a power or medicine bundle. Right on. So I've always taken that to heart and, you know, going into crystal shops and whatnot, that's usually my advice to people is just let a crystal pop out to you and, and buy that one. You know, don't go all out trying to buy all the crystals. Wait for the right one to speak to you 
and make the decision based on your intuition. But you can also find little items like that out in the real world, in nature. That's something that Tara and I have been doing uh, a lot lately. All right, so the final book in today's My Family Thinks I'm Crazy Library Recommendations is The Great Rebellion by Samuel Onwer. Don't worry, everything will be spelled out in the description, so you can go ahead and just copy-paste and, and find these books on Amazon or through their publisher. And this one happens to be published by Thelema Press, uh-oh, and www.gnosis-usa.com. Sorry, not slash hyphen, hyphen usa.com. So this book is very interesting. It breaks down some of the Gnostic, I would call them Gnostic tenets, but in the beginning they talk a lot about some interesting themes within Gnosticism. And quite frankly, there's stuff in this book that I haven't seen in any other book. So it's kind of a unique book. When they talk about this guy, Laplace. So... For example, I'm going to quote here from the book. If Laplace, the great French astronomer and mathematician, would not have forgotten himself, his own real being, he would not have conceived his theory in his mind, the famous theory of Laplace. The theory of Laplace is false and absurd. When Laplace presented his theory to Napoleon Bonaparte and explained to him how from a nebula comes forth a planet or a solar system, Napoleon asked him, and in which place did you put God in your theory? Then Laplace answered cynically to Napoleon, No, sir, I did not need God to elaborate upon my theory. Nonetheless, it is pre precisely because he forgot his inner being that he could not elaborate upon such a false theory. Presently, not a single astronomer from planet Earth has seen with his own eyes a planet coming forth or emerging from a nebula. But incongruently, Laplace's theory is admitted as dogma by the minds of many fools. If Laplace would not have forgotten his real self, he would not have elaborated such an absurd theory. So you see, this book is kind of taking you through a time, time period when science, alchemy, religion we're all sort of in contention with one another. And there's an example of a, a scientist who's revered by the materialists. And it is very, you know, obvious that in their time, they did not uh, have the same position towards materialism. And he was kind of a outlier, which is probably why he had the cynical sort of remark to Napoleon Bonaparte. Very smug of him. Sounds like a, a stiff scientist, if you ask me. Anyways, folks, buy the book yourself if you want to learn more. Samuel on Weir, The Great Rebellion. And many other books, The Way of the Shaman by Michael Harner. Toltec Dreaming by Ken Eaglefeathers. The Life of Milarepa by Lobsong P. Lahu Longpa. And then we have, of course... Traditional Brazilian Black Magic, The Secrets of the Kimbada Magicians by Diego de Oshasi. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy Library Recommendation List. We just added the first five books to the list. So go ahead and 
check one of those out if they pique your interest, if they synchronistically fit into something you've heard recently, etc., etc., or just stick around and wait for the next episode to come out. It should be out in the next few days. Thank you very much. Peace. Peace.